Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast, of which we are the worst. I am Eddie. I'm Alec. And today we are going to be reflecting on empathy. Hey, Alec. Yeah? Do you know empathy? Because you're the only empathy. (laughs) (laughs) That's staying in. (laughs) Yes, as it should, because it's a... 10 out of 10. Um, no, but we had some thoughts on empathy. We were we were actually just talking about we weren't sure what to name this episode because it kind of can go in a lot of different ways. And we don't want to just call it empathy because I feel like we're not doing like an encapsulation of empathy. We're kind of like venturing into the forest of empathy and like checking out one corner. And like, <laughs> like here's something that comes up that has to do with empathy uh, and also has to do with hope and also has to do with evangelization. So, you know, sometimes we start a podcast and we don't even know where it's going to (laughs) go. I think, yeah, this, it came up for me as I was interfacing uh, with some, with uh, some non-Christian people regarding the coronavirus and the shutdown. How dare you? You can't talk to anybody who is not Christian ever. Yeah, I didn't tell you about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was reflecting on the difference of approaches and the idea of hope. And if you kind of heard our last episode when we talked about giving up control and really trusting in God, if you didn't have God, if you didn't believe that you could trust in God and that everything was up to you and all you had was this life and all you had in this life was whatever you took, then it'd be a lot more difficult to be hopeful in a time like this. And that's kind of what started this. So I I have some other thoughts to get into, but Eddie, do you have anything off the bat? I mean, I have my note here that says, we found God in a hopeless place. So, (laughs) um, and that's pretty much the extent of my notes on this. So uh, a little bit of, um, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do some off the cuff stuff, right? I'm going to tell you a little bit about this and you tell me what you think. Uh, No, the first thing that comes to my mind is the thought on, I do believe that as we have become, and I think we maybe have spoken on this before, but as we have become further and further away or further and further more into a godless society, is what, as that's what we've become, people associate the government particularly as you have to replace God with something, right? And it often becomes themselves. It becomes the government. It becomes sports or a combination of all of these things. But I think part of the reason why we have such a charged political spectrum right now is because... And even, even like from the people who say they believe in God, like as we kind of talked about in the last one, like you say you believe in God, but like really you really care more about politics than you do about the state of the church. I think when God falls away and this life is everything, you you absolutely, and that's totally understandable that we it's our job to make this world as best as possible, to make this world into a Eden, essentially, right? An earthly paradise. And people genuinely believe that whoever they uh, support politically, that will happen through. Um, and so people get so charged when they when it, people disagree with them because it's not just that they're attacking their political ideology, they're attacking the core of who they are as a person, as what they, because that is like what they believe is best for humanity. So they feel like you're attacking them, their identity, and what's best for all humans. So it's kind of just this combination of a lot of things. Um, and I think that right right from the start, we need to understand that why people are so charged about it. It usually comes from a, a good place. You, I mean, not a good place, 
but a good emotion, a good motion of the heart, I think. I agree. And it's that idea that we've said before about people not thinking they're the bad guys. So there are at least good intentions. I would, I want to say almost all the time. And so I wanted to talk about giving people the benefit of the doubt. There was a homily that our priest gave where he talked about giving people the benefit of the doubt. And he said when he was a, a young priest and he had just begun, he had to say morning mass at 6 a.m. And he hated waking up early. So there was a day that he got there at like 6.40 or 6.20 or sometime. He was late and he said the mass, clearly just woke up. And afterwards he was walking out and he heard a group of three or four women who came to mass and they were saying afterwards, oh, he must have uh, gone to give anointing of the sick to someone at like two in the morning. And so he didn't get a good night's sleep. And that's why he was late to mass. And he said this really stuck with him as really talk about benefit of the doubt and just charitably viewing someone else and trying to think the best of them. And I think it's really easy to do the opposite of that, especially if it's someone with whom we're at odds that we'll try and disagree with them or I don't know what the opposite of benefit of the doubt is. Uh, what's the opposite of benefit? Tifabneb. <laughs> <laughs> it is the lack of benefit of assurance. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was thinking about when we're interacting with people, do we give them the benefit of the doubt? I think there, there's a ton of th times where this comes up. You're driving and somebody is, you know, you're, you're driving and you are cut off and it's this person sucks and they're a terrible driver. What are they doing? And then you cut somebody off and it's because you're late or it's because, you know, you've got somewhere to be or you've kind of do dozed off and you have to get over really quick. And I, I mean, I think we've talked about this before too. The fundamental attribution error is something that comes up in psychology a lot where uh, we attribute when when someone else does something wrong to us, we assume it's because they're a bad person. Where when we we don't apply that same logic to ourselves, though, we say it's because of X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, Z. Z. Yeah, you know, <laughs> from England now. Uh, and it, it's because of one of these reasons, right? I, I didn't sleep well. I had something going on. And we don't apply that to ourselves. We say, well, we don't apply it to others. We always kind of oftentimes throw people under the bus. Yeah, I say um, we judge other people by their worst results and ourselves by our best intentions. That's good. Where's that from? No idea. Dang. <laughs> uh, dibs. You can Google it. <laughs> I call it that. It's from me. That's really good. Yeah. So I think that it is important though to to look at, give people the benefit of the doubt. I think there's, what's the quote? Like it's, it's wise to, to, Treat everybody that you meet along the journey as as if they would have something to offer you. To just approach people with like from, you know, step down from your high horse right from the beginning of a conversation. Even if it's not always, even if it's not true, because I think how people might take the story with, with the priest who overslept was like, well, he overslept. Like, that's not good. And he got away with it. But like what is lost, you know, by approaching someone in that way? And even if even if they come clean and they're like, yeah, like. I actually just overslept. I really, I really appreciate that you said that, but like I overslept and just approaching that with love, I think is so much more productive. Thinking about now, I, and we all may be having more or less difficult times with this, the current state of affairs, we'll call it. But 
thinking about approaching someone with love who does not have a Catholic worldview, the phrase that's coming to mind that I have heard before was, the wolf chased the lamb into the arms of the shepherd. So when, when you're faced with something difficult or scary or evil, where are you running? Are you running towards it, from it, or to the shepherd? But the idea here is, what if there's no shepherd to whom you can run? You know, if you don't believe that there is a God, if you believe that this life is all you get, it'll make a situation like this a lot more difficult. So how do we approach them with love, knowing that that's where they're coming from? Because we can't be impatient and say, well, just, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Like you're still, there's still heaven because if they don't believe in that, that doesn't mean, that doesn't have any value to them. And if anything, it can come off as, uh, dismissive, dismissive or, um, careless where it's just like, you're, because you're just, you're just saying this. And like we've said before, I think we said again, cause I think there's some overlap from the last episode, you know, they kind of build on each other because when you take out that hoping, that hope in God, that we never want to say that we don't have an obligation to this world, right? I mean, clearly there's goodness here and we need to do everything we can to make this the best world possible. And there should be no negligence in, in charity. There should be no negligence in dealing with uh, sick or poor people or anything like that. You know, simply put, right, if you don't care for the poor, you don't go to heaven. So, <laughs> um, and in, in the simplest sense. But that I think is important that, we come we can come across as careless if, if we just say oh well like don't worry like you know god's got a plan for this because for those people one that seems dumb dated that seems ignorant that seems uh pointless or whatever it is and the importance of you know understand in like giving them the benefit of the doubt for the reason that they believe what they believe so that you can move forward from that and even possibly open the door to evangelizing or else it won't be possible at all because, like, to put it to put it simply, without God in this picture, without heaven, the approach to this situation is vastly different. And, like, the mental health of the situation is vastly different. Because, honestly, from where I'm standing, I mean, this sounds really dramatic. When I, I've told a couple people, and every time I feel like I, I sound like such a drama queen, but... Uh, or king. Drama king. <laughs> um, and the, the problem is, if this is how society continues, right? Where you can't spend time with people, you can't live this life in a fulfilling way. To put it bluntly, like, it's probably better just not have it, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> and I'm not saying we're there yet. I'm not saying that that's the reality, like, of what we, and I'm not saying that I, I will not wear a mask because it's better to be dead <laughs> than wear a mask, because that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, like, if it's compared to, if, we, if you know, you take this train of thought all the way to where it ends, where, like, if there's danger of being sick, you can't, Go, you can't do it and and that leads to not saying that's where we're going but the thought experiment goes to well like go do whatever it is to be physically safe that's not a life that i have interest in living because you know we genuinely believe that the purpose of this life is to grow in virtue and grow in holiness and to experience things that like help us participate in god's plan for salvation you take that a lot off the table then like what's the point but that's not the case for other people. Like if you don't have that approach, this is a, this becomes a vastly different conversation. Yeah. It's going back to the Vic 
Viktor Frankl quote, a man with a why can bear any how. And you're taking out the why. You know, we, we have a reason for these things. But if you don't, how are you supposed to bear this? And I think that goes into what you were saying earlier, the idea where we might come across as un, uneducated or, you know, old-timey kind of, we have yet to mature past this stage of our development. And that we need to develop that thick skin against the idea of people calling religion, you know, this is the opium of the masses. This is that idea that we only have this supposed faith because we're faced with something difficult and this is how we get through it. Because I've had that response given to me during the last four months or so where it is, hey, that's great, I'm glad it helps you, but that's not real and it's not really gonna help me. So we need to be able to hear that and understand where it's coming from, not let it shake us, but then also know how to respond charitably and not just get really defensive about it. And that brings us into the kind of evangelization piece that we were talking about here, that we can't just grow so defensive that we're trying to, we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to help that person recognize their value in being a child of God. So just trying to, right, there's, there's a difference between being right and winning an argument. And you can kind of barrel your way through and bully them into maybe agreeing with you or just both of you are frustrated or whatever it is, but we're not here to just win an argument. I think one of the things is we're not called to convince everyone, but we are called to love everyone. The way that you might best love that person in front of you is to just love them, hear them out, understand what they're going through, and be kind. But if you're trying to just argue with them, you might not really get anywhere. Yeah, and I, I think I think back to a lot, like, I really struggle with the church's response, as I've kind of talked about before, and how to handle a situation like this. And there's... And I hate, I almost like get super annoyed when people talk about like the PR of it. Like the, that's like, to, to, if we were to have churches open, like what, how does that look for the rest of the world? And that's so tough because you don't want to, you don't want to ever bend to the world, right? I, I, I don't think that that's good. But if we are coming across as careless in, in whatever way, and I think there's obviously a way to walk that line, but who how why would they ever listen to anything we have to say and I, and again i'm not saying that we should like close all churches always i think that the church needs to come up with creative ways to have mass and you know um and i think mass outside is 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 good and i think all the i mean we're in california where everything was kind of shut down again at time of recording and like our priest he's just like all right then we're doing everything outside right and it's totally safe it's all and it's good but to just like ignore that would be i think detrimental because for whatever reason, people are looking for a reason to to discount people who believe, right? They're saying, well, they don't take the virus seriously or even any situation that would be similar to this. They don't take it seriously because they believe in heaven. 
And that is one that's just incorrect, right? Because as we talked about before, like we do believe like through Catholic morality, through Catholic social teaching that we have an obligation to our societies to make them as best as possible. So that's we're not trying to be careless, um, but we're also not so much saying that like, but like we also believe that there is a reality of heaven and we believe that there is a reality that it happens at mass and through the sacraments and trying to find a balance of that because people are going to look, like I said, look for any reason to point blame. So I think that there is something to be said that like we do need to, like you said, give people the benefit of the doubt for the reason why they believe what they believe and have that thick skin to be like when, when approaching these these situations with those people who don't have that same. I don't even want to say that they're hopeless people because that sounds really harsh, but they don't have an avenue for the hope that we have. They want to have hope, but have nowhere to put it. Yeah. And again, they put it in government circumstances and that's why one side gets so angry when something happens the other side gets so angry when something happens because that's where they have their hope and so they place their what's supposed to be eternal hope in that and it just lets them down uh something you know something comes up uh it's funny because i I mean i don't think that the people that are gonna be there listen to the podcast so it's not a big deal but you know alec and i are planning on going to play board games with um a couple of his friends from his old work you know, we're going to be playing outside and I believe they want, everyone's going to be wearing a mask while we play. But let's just say like in this situation, I maybe don't necessarily think that we need to wear masks this entire time, but nonetheless, I'm going to wear one because I'm at their house. So one, like out of respect for that. And two, if I come in and I start throwing this fit about like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're making me wear a mask outside with two other people while we're playing board games, like across the table from each other. And they just start throwing a fit about it. Like, what possible hope is there to ever possibly opening the door to evangelizing to him? Like, if I'm going to die on the hill of wearing a mask outside, how am I ever going to... I will have no value to fight any other battles going forward, which are way more important. And I think of the Paul quote, right? I become all things for all people. I quote by the Bible verse for which Paul <laughs> writes, uh, <laughs> I become all things for all people so as to save some. Like, and again, provided that they're not asking you to do anything immoral... But, like, yeah, if it means that, like, there's even a small chance that somewhere in the night I can make a plug for, like, expressing my, a reason for my hope, which is Jesus Christ, then I'm going to wear a mask because that's important. Yeah, and that's one example. I mean, there... But there are uh, others. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you can think about times in your own life, right? The, the mask one is just a current example right now but times where you are kind of whether you like it or not representing the church because if people know that you are a catholic then the way you are acting they will associate the way you are acting with catholics and i think this is you know some reputations some better some worse but you need to be cognizant of your role in representing the church to that person I think it would be unfair of us to expect everyone who interacts with us to go and fact check everything and do a bunch of research, especially if they're already looking for a reason to discredit the faith. If you give them a reason, should we really be expecting them to go and make sure that they're right? Or is that kind of enough for them to take and run with it? And so knowing that we have to be aware of how our actions come across. And again, like Eddie said, as long as we're not being asked to do something immoral, but understanding that yeah like i mean i know 
you know, Alec has talked about before that he doesn't uh, enjoy or he doesn't drink at all, right? And he doesn't he, he has his problems with um, many many aspects of it. But like, if he had a friend from work who said like, "Hey, I've got some questions about the faith. Do you mind if we meet? I, I go. I, I like to go to this bar. Would you come with me?" And not saying Alec needs to drink anything, but if you'd be like, "Ooh, you know what? I don't like going to bars." That would be bad, right? Like what the guys like what possible hope is this guy gonna have of opening up to you when he's like, guy will literally wouldn't even go to the bar with me? Like <laughs> Yeah. So or, I think there's there's right and wrong ways to do things, but pick a pick a battle and don't don't die on the field so early, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think about with like cussing, like you if like you know, with a lot of uh, evangelization, um and again, we go back we've had many discussions about cussing on this podcast. And I, I personally don't think that is objectively wrong. I think there are many cases where it can become wrong. I um, think it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like if I walk on to like the baseball, I love going to the baseball games. And, you know, I've been able to open the door to talking about God and a lot with a lot of baseball players because I go to so many other games. If I were to walk onto the field and like the, I hear a kid on the team say a bad word and I'm like, uh, dude, listen, <laughs> you cannot say that. Like. <laughs> What, are you do you want to go to hell like and i that's my and i mean that's probably too dramatic but even anything along that lines like what possible hope is there to like ever save his soul or allow the opportunity well that's so that's bad i don't save his soul um to allow the opportunity for christ to enter into his heart because i'm going to be the one who's putting a wall up there yes yeah, so as you are interacting with people not of the faith be conscientious of this be charitable and make sure that you remember that you're not there to win anything but to love them. And love will win. Huh? Today. What do you say about that? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For those of us here at Sinner's Take, you will hear us in the next one.